0: Yehuda Geber here with a, another Jewish History Soundbites podcast. And today, being that um, I'm with a group here in Poland, um, a group, a nice uh, shul from Beit Shemesh. They got together. They're coming as a group. They're here as a group. Um, we're touring our rich Jewish history throughout Poland. So we're here today in Lublin. And although I've been here countless times with other groups, something dawned on me today that I thought I would share, as I thought it would be uh, very appropriate, very interesting. Also, we're in uh, Lublin by the yeshiva, by Yeshiva Shachmi Lublin. We're talking about Remeir Shapiro, and Remeir Shapiro is normally looked at, you know, obvious, very understandably, uh, looked at as a visionary, a leader. A visionary, a dreamer, someone who was a great builder of of new initiatives and new ideas, a very charismatic and dynamic personality, and really, his life uh, should be and hopefully will be examined in a separate uh, podcast. But he was someone who was, uh, you know, progressive, always looking ahead uh, for new new initiatives. He was uh, into educational reform in in a way. His yeshiva in Lublin was the first yeshiva that had a dormitory in the yeshiva building. It was the first yeshiva that had a dining room. He wanted the yeshiva guys to be able to eat within the yeshiva building. Um, It should be easy and a conducive atmosphere. The yeshiva had a yard in front and in back that it should be like their own little mini campus, as it were, um, it was obviously the first yeshiva to have a mikveh. Uh, it was a yeshiva, and he wanted to have a mikveh within the building. Um, and there were so many new aspects to his his way he ran it, uh, the administrative aspect, the style of learning that existed in the yeshiva. And he was a trailblazer in that regard. He wanted to build more yeshivas. He wanted to start a revolution of Jewish education in Poland. He wanted to build more he was always looking ahead. He even wanted to build a yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. There's a letter that he wrote that he heard that the uh, that the university was being built, Hebrew University was being built in Israel during the time. The first building in Hebrew University was actually dedicated on Mount Scopus in 1925. And his dream was to build a yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And he said, my buildings are going to be nicer and bigger and better than the universities. That was he never wanted to settle for half measures. He was very progressive and and in, in that regard in 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 um always moving forward and building more. His whole Daf Yomi was a revolution. The way he wanted everyone all over the world to be learning the same Daf together. Everything about him was creativity and new. He was one of the earliest rabbis to be fully involved in in politics at the national level. He was elected to the Polish parliament for the Yagodis Yisrael party in the CM in the Polish uh, CM, the parliament. Um, he spoke a beautiful Polish. He understood real politics. He was one of the first uh, 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 ultra-Orthodox rabbis, Hasidic rabbis. He was a chart Hasid of his day to understand the power of the media. He called press conferences when he wanted to announce uh, progression of his building in Yeshivas Chachmei Lublin, or when he had uh, political statements to make he was someone who really really understood modern times he knew how to deal with people he had the initiative which we might have mentioned in a in a earlier podcast about building a new mikveh in Piotrków which he ultimately was successful in doing with funding from the bund but that was a separate story but the idea that even though the mikveh is kosher but we need a new and modern and nicer mikveh is was also a new idea for his time he was an early supporter of the Pojale Agudas Yisrael political party, which was the workers of Agudas Yisrael, which in Poland was considered a semi-socialist political party within the Agudas Yisrael religious world. And he was one of the first rabbis to publicly throw his full support behind it, which was also new and modern. And that's very often how he's seen, as someone who's looking ahead, looking to build. And that's all well known. But what I realized this time is that at the same time, he had this very interesting and deep appreciation for history. In other words, looking back into the past. Um, Dafyaimi itself, the way he himself described Dafyaimi was, he said, look at the Dafyaimi, look at the page of the Gemara and the volume of the Gemara that we hold. And it's a literally a unity of the Jewish people throughout the ages. He says the Mishnah was written by Tanoim in Eretz Yisrael, in Israel. The Gemara was written by Amoraim who were mostly living in Bavel, in Babylon. Later on, we move to the sides of the page. Rashi was from France. Taisvis was from quite a few places. France, Germany, other places. You move to the back of the Gemara and you have the Marsho, the Maharam, the Marshal. They were from different parts of Poland, Ukraine, Lithuania. And he said literally the words of the Gemara as they're explained by the commentators come across the ages throughout history and they're from all over the world. They're from every country, from every stop in the exile. So he said if that's the page of the Gemara itself then why don't we unify the Jewish people by learning that page together? In other words, these, his whole inspiration for the initiation of the Dafyemi was with this appreciation of where we've been in our exile, of where we've been throughout history, and of what each contribution has been at every stage. There's also an interesting anecdote when he was, the, when he was appointed the rabbi of Lublin. He not only opened the yeshiva in Lublin, but at the Seid. around the same time, he also became the rabbi of the town of the community of Lublin. And his name was Reb Meir Shapiro. So they said, we should call you Maharam Lublin, which was obviously a throwback to the famous Maharam, the famous great and the Maharam, who's printed in the back of the Gemara, which we just mentioned, that he was the rabbi of Lublin uh, in the 16th century, about 400 something years before Reb Meir Shapiro. And he was called Maharam Lublin. So they said to Remeir Shapiro, we should call you Maharam Lublin II. And Remeir Shapiro said, I understand how you want to make this historical association, but let me explain to you something. Napoleon's grandson became the emperor, king, leader, whatever you want to call it, of France, following the upheaval of the, of the, the post-Napoleonic era and in the, in the 19th century. And he was called Napoleon III. He said, Why was he called Napoleon Third? He should have been called Napoleon II. And he said, Because no one can be second to Napoleon. You can be third to Napoleon, but no one can be second to Napoleon. So he said, to Me the same thing. I, can, I can't fill the big shoes of the Maharam of Lublin, the great and the great writer, the great leader. He was one of the leaders of the Jewish people in Poland at the time, of the Vadhar Baratsis, the Council of the Four Lands, which was the autonomous. Uh, Jewish governing um, both in religious and political, uh, uh, financial also aspects of Jewish life in Poland during those times. He was a, he had a great yeshiva in Lublin. So he said, I can't be the second to Maram Lublin. If you want to call me Maram Lublin, you could call me the third. So once again, he in his rabbinate, he's he's making it a historical connection and he has this appreciation for the past. But maybe the most important the way we see that he has a, this appreciation for history is the way he created his yeshiva yeshivas chachmei lublin so one would initially think that the reason he called it the name yeshivas chachmei lublin is because you had to be quite a chacham to come into the yeshiva you had to know 200 blot of gemara balpeh and you got tested on it and Rabbi Chaim Kreizworth said you also had to know chumash with rashi according to Amir Shapiro that was essential for getting to know into the yeshiva. So people who came to the yeshiva were quite wise, so they were chachomim. But that would be a little, uh, you know, um, calling his own yeshiva, Yeshiva's Chachme Lublin, because the guys there uh, are chachomim would be a little bit, uh, (laughs) making the the boys in the yeshiva a little bit haughty, it wouldn't be so uh, educationally conducive for their development. But that's absolutely not the reason why he called it Yeshiva's Chachme Lublin. The reason was is because he wanted that the yeshiva's name should incorporate the past glorious history of Lublin. He wrote that he wants to be machzir at Torah He wants to bring the crown of Torah back to Lublin, what it was during the earlier times, when the marshal, Rabbi Shalom Shachna, the Maharam, and other great leaders of the Jewish people were in Lublin and had great yeshivas. He wants to continue that. He wants to throw back to that times and say, I'm continuing what you started. And, the, and, the way he, and, the, and not only that, the way he did it was in a very symbolic way. After the, the, um, the dedication ceremony, the Chanukas Habayas of the yeshiva in 1930, he took a group of his Talmudim after the crowds had left, and they went to the old Jewish cemetery in Lublin to go daven by the great Chacham of Lublin and to tell them, he said, I want to tell them we're back, we're coming back. We're the Yeshivas Chachme Lublin. We're continuing what you started. Don't worry. Lublin is going to come back to its former glory, and we're right here. We're not going anywhere. And he actually wanted to go down to the basic forest and say that on the way to the Vesachvaris, he says there are two entrances to the old Jewish cemetery in Lublin. Do we start from the, the top entrance and we go first to the Marshal, the Maram, Reb Shalom Shachna, the great earlier leaders of the 15th and 16th centuries? of Jewish Lublin, do we start with them and then later do we go down in the cemetery to the late, later Jewish leader of Jewish Lublin, the, the Hasidish Jewish leader of Lublin, the Choyzeh of Lublin, do we go to him last and we go to the earlier leaders first? Or do we go to the other entrance to the cemetery and we first go to the Heile Gecheuze of Lublin, we daven by him, and then we move back earlier chronologically to the Marshal, the Maram, the Rav Shalom He said, I don't know which one it's to do first. I don't know which one is appropriate, which one is more respectful. What do we do? So he said, let me tell you what we're going to do. He said, "It says at the end of the Toichichon, in Parshas Ani the Brisi Avraham, ezkar, ezkar And the Torah goes when Hashem is remembering the treaty with the Avos, with Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. He goes chronologically backwards. He starts with Yaakov, then Yitzchak, then Avraham. And really, it should go Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And R' Shapiro said said so beautifully. He said that the Pasuk is singing Ezkoi. We're talking about memory. And when we talk about memory, we start from the last one because it's easier to evoke the latest and most recent memory and then pull back further to go to an earlier memory. So first we start with Yaakov. Then we can go back to Yitzchak. And then we can go all the way back to Avram. So he said it's the same thing here. We're going we're going to, we're trying to evoke the memory of the old Chachme Lublin. In recent history, we had the Chayza of Lublin. He was the leader. He brought Hasidus to Lublin. We're going to go to him first. And when we can go back all the way to the Chayza, then we can go even earlier and go to the Maharam, the Marshal, and Rav Shachna. So parenthetically, by the way, that, that defines all the trips that we're doing here. We're trying to evoke the recent memory of where our grandparents and great-grandparents Walk the recent memory of the great leaders of the Jewish people in the yeshiva world, in Hasidus, in, in these places that, that, that we go visit. That's exactly the idea. It's the recent memory that we're trying to remember. But close parentheses, that's what Ramey Shapiro does. But then he says to his students, how do we know we made the right decision? If we made the wrong decision to go in the other entrance, it's disrespectful. So how do we know we made the right decision? So he says, let's hope. And they go into this cemetery and they walk up to the Chayzeh of Lublin's uh, gravestone. And everyone calls him the Chayzeh, which is a nickname he only got after he passed away, when he was alive. He was either called the Lubliner Rebbe or Rebbe Itzikal because he was in the city of Lansut, which is not far from Lzhensk, before he became the Rebbe in Lublin. But after he died, he was known as the Chayzeh. Until today, he's known as the Chayzeh of Lublin, which is a story in itself. We'll talk about the Chayzeh another time. But uh, no one refers to him by his full name. But when they're standing in front of his matseva, they see and they notice his full name. And lo and behold, the full name of the Chayzeh is Yaakov Yitzchak ben Avraham. Avram Eliezer, actually, but Av- but Avram. So you have the Yaakov Yitzchak Avraham exactly as Rameir Shapiro said. And Rameir Shapiro said, I'm vindicated, this is the right thing to do. And therefore, we're going to go Daven by the Choyza of Lublin's kever first. So that's that's his appreciation, his deep appreciation for Jewish history. And uh, and I wonder how it goes together. On one hand, he's always looking forward. He's a visionary. He's looking to the future. He's looking to build. On the other hand, he has this deep appreciation for the past. Perhaps, and this is just conjecture, this is not a fact, but perhaps... The two are connected, and as much as an appreciation he had for the past, that goaded him and that pushed him to be able to build for the future of the Jewish people as well. Says is Yehuda Geber. You can reach me at ygebss at gmail.com to do one of these great and amazing tours to Europe or other places to learn and, and see the rich heritage of our past. Subscribe now. Don't forget to subscribe to Jewish History Soundbites on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play. Don't miss an episode of our podcast. If you enjoy, please give us a five-star rating. Share it with your friends and family. You can follow us on Twitter at JSoundbites. We hope you enjoy.